Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. This week, we have Matt Kness. He is the CEO of Goodwill Finds, which is a newly launched e-commerce platform for Goodwill, which are stores that I imagine most of our listeners know about. I want to dive into sort of the strategy behind Goodwill Finds. Matt has a really illustrious retail background, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. But uh, Matt, how are you doing? It's so great to chat with you. Yeah, thanks, Kale. Great to be here. Absolutely. So first, why don't you tell me and us, the listeners, a little bit about yourself? Because you've worked at some pretty great companies over the years. Yeah, thanks, Kale. Yeah, it's been fun. I've been really fortunate, have kind of stumbled my way into this retail career. Um, I'd say I got started initially when I was working as a consultant at Burton Snowboards um, close to 20 years ago. And it was a moment in the industry when snowboarding was crossing over into the mainstream uh, X Games, Winter Olympics, Sean White, Flying Tomato, that whole thing. Uh, company was experiencing rapid growth, mostly in soft goods. And my job was to come in as a consultant with the team to figure out why the company was making less money, even though it was growing <laughs> faster. Uh, That's always the question, right? So that was a fun that was a fun project. I was there for a couple of years, and that's where I kind of fell in love with lifestyle brands, with fashion, with this idea of focusing on a consumer and obsessing about what makes her or him tick. And from there, I was um, able to go directly to Urban Outfitters in Philadelphia, where I was there for about eight years. My last role there was Chief Strategy Officer. Um, it's, there wasn't a, a, a chief growth officer or growth hack role, uh, in retail at the time, but that's kind of what it was. It was basically working with the founder and the executive team to grow the enterprise. And we grew up from a billion to 3 billion. Uh, I oversaw the e-com channel build out at the corporate level. We scaled that from a hundred million to a billion. So it was, uh, just an amazing time period. Uh, what I'd say is in those two instances and the places I've been since, I've been really fortunate to work at these amazing brands at a moment in the industry during great disruption and inflection. And so I think that for me is where I've taken my career. I went to ModCloth after Urban Outfitters. I was CEO there during a time in the industry when inclusive fashion wasn't really a thing yet. And we were pioneering how do you actually execute an assortment and a go-to-market and a brand position that included women of all body shapes and sizes? Uh, so that was a ton of fun. We really innovated on a lot of different fronts and wound up selling the business to Walmart. Um, spent about a year at Walmart. Uh, was a fly on the wall for the Mark Lurie versus Jeff Bezos Battle of the Titans. <laughs> That's um, fun. That must have been an interesting time to be around. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't contribute much of anything material to that <laughs> uh, effort. We, we were, you know, a tiny rounding error in the Walmart PL at ModCloth, but I did get a chance to work with Mark and his team and and learn a lot about um, how uh, those two large enterprises were were doing battle. And, and happy to share thoughts on that. And then after I left Walmart. Um, I was really kind of curious as to, from a technology perspective, where the industry was going and wound up doing some consulting work with Afterpay when they first got to the U.S. And I was there for about a year as a part-time consultant and board advisor. 
And that was really interesting watching how consumers, specifically young consumers, were choosing debit over credit as buy now, pay later was kind of crossing over into, into mainstream retail and watching all these large companies uh, adapt it at their point of sale. So, um, you know, that for me was kind of like another lens of how technology changes the way that consumers think about engaging with brands and where they shop. So that brings me to what I'm doing now at Goodwill Finds, which is this amazing moment in the industry where secondhand has kind of reached critical mass. You know, I, I think about it a decade or so ago and thrifting was cool and vintage was fun, but it was never kind of mainstream. But with the success of Depop and Real Real and ThreadUp and Poshmark and Etsy and all these secondary and unique item marketplaces and the success they've had, uh, it's really having a moment. And so Goodwill, which I like to call the OG of thrifting, kind of <laughs> yeah. is taking their right, rightful place within the digital uh, market, not just you know within their store footprint. And then at the same time, there's this other thing that's happening around sustainability in the circular economy. And it's akin to me thinking back to when Lululemon first came into the U.S. from Canada and nobody thought that leggings was going to cross over and replace denim, <laughs> but it did. Yeah, look at us now. We're, we're all in leggings now. We're yeah. all in athleisure now. Yeah. So I feel like there's this, there's this consumer-led kind of conscious purpose-driven consumption trend that is happening where not just what you buy, but where you shop and really wanting to understand what's the impact in where my dollars go on the planet, on the environment, in my community. Fast fashion's had a, a terrible reputation of late as far as what the environmental impact is on their supply chain. And so I think that's also propelling what's happening in second hand. And then I'll go back to, you know, Goodwill is one of the pioneers of circular economy and would love to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to dive in a little more to this last part because for all of the companies, you described this inflection point and there was a, is a specific thing at play. So with uh, Burton, you know, it was that snowboarding, winter sports, sort of extreme sports were becoming mainstream. Mod cloth inclusive uh, fashion had become more mainstream. Um, you know, Urban Outfitters was sort of the rise of of bigger, bigger, nicer e-com. Here, there are a few different things at play, but I'd be interested to know what you think is the dominant force that's happening now that's different than before. Is it just that p with secondhand, people are more amenable to it online? Is it that is it that the dollar amounts, as you said earlier, that people are thinking more sustainably about the way that they are shopping? Is there is there what is the number one shift that you're seeing that makes Goodwill Finds work right now that it wouldn't have worked a, a few years ago? Yeah, it's it's kind of all of the above, but maybe stepping back from it, I'll give you my point of view on kind of how I think retail operates. Um, broadly speaking, for hundreds of years. Uh, retail has been supply driven. So from like the um, merchants in the Mediterranean, you know, to the blowout of malls in the U.S. in the 90s and aughts, like the term store is short for storage, right? So it's just the idea of we're going to take inventory and bring it closer to the consumer, but we're going to make it really inconvenient and force the consumer to come to where we are, whether that's the bazaar or the mall. And then the internet completely changes that dynamic. And now we here we are 25 plus years later since the launch of Amazon. 
And now it's demand driven, right? So like technology has completely enabled bringing supply to the consumer where, where it's most convenient for them, right? And, and I, I still think decades later, there are some industries, some categories, some companies that are still struggling to have made that pivot and really understand that you have to start with the consumer first and then work backwards to how you think about merchandising, how you think about product development, how you think about you know what your value proposition is as a brand, products and services. So with that as kind of like the pretext, I'd also say that looking at retail broadly, there's luxury, there's kind of specialty premium, there's mass, and then there's discount, right? Or extreme, you know, kind of uh, value, mm-hmm. right? So um, what I would say is that, you know, Walmart's in the, in the mass market, right? They want to serve 90 plus percent of the households in the United States. Urban Outfitters is in the specialty premium space, right? It's, it's more curated. It's uh, a little bit uh, more differentiated. Um, I haven't worked in luxury per se, you know, so um, a lot of that comes out of Europe. A lot of that is kind of legacy department store. Um, and then extreme discount where you have like five below in the dollar store. So I think what we're talking about is consumer segments within those middle two, right? Kind of specialty and mass. And so within, which is the largest part of the, the industry, maybe not the dollars, but as far as like number of consumers. Volume. Yep. And then, you, you know, you have to always start with fashion, right? Like what's the trend? So Vineyard Vines exists because the mostly men who shop there and are committed to that brand don't want to wear their dad's polo pony, <laughs> right? Like there's a whole generational thing around like that's my, my, my parents' brand. I want to have my own. So I think part of what's happening right now is uh, vintage and kind of retro 80s and 90s looks. And a lot of that is in vogue. And so a lot of it is driving, you know, just the way that we think about uh, what's on TikTok and Instagram and all the upper funnel consumer engagement. Uh, it's what people are wearing. It's what people are talking about and shopping. So there's a definitely a cool factor that didn't exist a decade ago within secondhand. Then you add to that younger consumers are always looking for value, right? Just like demographically, it's the older consumers, 45 and older, who have all of the discretionary disposable income, but it's the 20 and 30-year-olds who are setting the trends. And so I think that also has been a tailwind for secondhand because the value of the goods is just, it's just, you know, lower price points, you can get more for your dollar. I'd say there's also a driving factor in that 30 years ago um, when globalization was first occurring, there was um, you know, not the ability to have so much surplus product at high quality. Now we sit here, the quality coming out of Taiwan, India, Philippines, China is so good that a secondhand garment is as good as a brand new garment. And compared to fast fashion, even better. So there's all these kind of, you know, I'd say structural changes that have occurred the last decade plus. But then you put it together with technology and scaling. Like we have a hundred thousand 
items, unique items. We're going to have a million within a year at Goodwill Finds. We didn't have the technology to scale that a decade ago, right? So like there's also a timing thing around enablement where we're now at the point where you can profitably scale a, a secondhand business in a way that you couldn't uh, in the past. So it's kind of a confluence of all the things that you mentioned. Um, it's structural, it's macro, it's micro, but I think most importantly, the consumer's taking us there, you know, and it's it's kind of cool right now. So, um, and you see it on TikTok, you see it on Instagram, celebrities are talking about it. Um, we had a, um, a thing where um, uh, Drew Barrymore and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis were talking about Goodwill Finds. What? That's a that's a nice little little bump right there. Yeah, and a, a little uh, the Today Show as well. Uh, Noah was talking about us, so I just there's this cultural crossover moment that happens from time to time, and it's happening right now in in thrift and secondhand, and I think that's you know that's going to uh, allow this to accelerate. Let's go back a little bit and talk about the genesis of Goodwill Finds specifically. How long has it been the works? When did you get involved with it? And Correct me if I'm wrong, but there have been other sort of smaller scale Goodwill online operations, right? Yeah. So um, a little bit of the history. Goodwill as um, an enterprise, as a social impact nonprofit enterprise has been around for over 100 years. So um, an incredible legacy to the mission. It's uh, over that time built up as a network of state level individual nonprofits. There's uh, over 150 individual entities that collectively make up the network. About three years ago, as I understand it, um, dozens of Goodwill members got together and discussed this initiative. And then in the last, call it year, year and a half, especially coming out of COVID lockdowns, where there was an impact to their the resale store operations, like everybody across retail, there was a catalyst to accelerate this initiative. And six of those uh, couple dozen banded together to seed fund this new venture. So we are a separate 501c3 nonprofit. We have a license from GII, uh, Goodwill, Industries International, which is in Metro DC, and they own the master license across all the Goodwill members. And uh, these six from across the country banded together to launch this initiative. They partnered with Salesforce as the the technology product engine uh, behind this, both on the front end commerce as well as the back end OMS. And they put together a team of contractors and consultants to work with their individual teams to get to mature the the product to get ready for launch. Then about 3 months ago I joined as CEO and board advisor and have been standing up a new company. I joined pre-revenue so was also preparing for launch. We launched about 7 8 weeks ago, so we're now out in the wild. The the response has been multiples of what we had initially planned. So we've been Well, that's good which is always good. You want to be chasing demand, not not trying to fabricate it. So we've been rapidly hiring, standing up a new company while uh, managing this rapidly growing marketplace. And we're in the process of partnering with the next four 
Goodwills from the original four that we launched with, and we have dozens of others lined up in discussions to launch next year. So again, we're, we launched with a little over 100,000 unique items. We're currently approaching 200,000 unique items, and we'll have a million by Q4 next year. Wow, that is quite a scale up. Can you, can you actually go into how that all works? Because, you know, as you, you know, Goodwills are more atomized organizations. They also, like, the labor that they use are usually hourly workers who work the cash registers. And it's a very different, it's not a centralized in- inventory, I guess you could say. So how, how do you scale that up for e-commerce so that it can be done efficiently and profitably? Yeah, Kel, great question. And it's one of the big engineering challenges that we have. Uh, my early career, uh, I studied engineering. I worked in patent law. I, um, uh, after business school, I went into manufacturing. So my kind of early training professionally was quant process analytical. Um, so there's a, there's a part of this, um, venture that is very much that it's like how, what's the engineering challenge of figuring out how to enable this distributed, um, catalog of hundreds of thousands soon to be millions of items. How do you deploy technology and software in a way that enables all these various sellers that aren't controlled centrally? So, you know, we're doing it one at a time. (laughs) It's kind of the the answer. Um, Okay. But we're trying, you know, uh, to figure out ways to do it as efficiently as possible. What I'd say is um, across the goodwills, and this gets to your question of history, Goodwill, um, at the member level, they have been selling online for decades, mostly as 3P sellers in marketplaces like Amazon and eBay. The bulk of secondhand books that you buy through Amazon, most people probably don't realize, comes from a Goodwill, right? Um, so they've been participating, and a lot of the bigger Goodwills have a pretty sophisticated, mature e-commerce operation at their donation centers, selling as third-party sellers on these various marketplaces. There, there has been regional efforts uh, in the past within the network to build up a separate marketplace that is managed and that the members sell through. Um, they have been uh, auction-based and focused on certain categories. Uh, What we're doing here is very different. It's much more akin to the marketplaces I mentioned before with the thread-ups and the real reels and the depops where we have a unified catalog. We have a single shopping experience. We're capturing 1P data so that we can acquire, retain, remarket to customers on behalf of all the sellers. We also have modern technology with Salesforce and some other partners that we're developing proprietary tools to enable really efficient throughput of listing, which is how we're able to get the volume that we've been able to get. Um, but to me, the, the this whole thing is about how do we get the word out about this amazing mission at Goodwill? Three billion pounds of items diverted from landfills just last year because of resale. Two million people have received social services through Goodwill. 
250,000 individuals employed last year, half placed at other companies, half working within Goodwills. And you think about the 125,000 individuals employed at Goodwills, expanding e-com gives them higher paying, higher wage jobs, higher skilled jobs that they can then take with them into the broader economy. So it's it, so one, we want to get the story out about this incredible mission and the impact that Goodwill has at all these various levels at, for the planet at a sustainability level, for society with job training and, and job placement, and then for consumers with this incredible value that you get thrifting, but now with convenience online. So we want to get the word out. And then the second part is around accelerating the circular economy. So the way that we set up our business model is every dollar of net proceeds from the sale of an item of Goodwill Finds goes back to the location where that item was donated. So you know that when you donate an item to Goodwill or you buy an item from Goodwill, either in the store or online, the net dollars, the proceeds from that sale go back into that exact community to be able to fund social services and provide job training. So it's 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 we're we're looking at Goodwill Finds to scale that model to to accelerate and pioneer a new way to think about circular economy and to get the word out about this mission to get more people to consider us when they do their shopping. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. In the in the 6 plus weeks that you guys have been live, how has the actual operational day-to-day shifted now that you have people putting things online, shipping them out? Have, have you been able to tweak the system at all? Yeah, so we have a really aggressive roadmap. Yeah. Um, adding, you know, you, whenever you launch a new startup, it's always an MVP, right? So you're starting with the minimal viable product that you think works well enough to get out into the world because you don't know anything until you're actually doing it. And that was one of my principles coming in was whether it's a soft launch or as we did it um, with a, a bigger consumer launch, we just need to get started because the consumer is going to tell us where we're getting it right and where we're not. And then we need to build a team around where we see the biggest opportunities to grow the business, which is what we've been doing for the last two months. What I tell you is that we didn't expect the consumer response to be as great. So we're kind of chasing um, some of the operations, staffing up customer service, um, adding more staff at pick, pack, and ship within the various goodwills. So there's just kind of like growing pains that come with any kind of new venture where you're chasing demand. I'd also say that we've had a much bigger response in non-clothing than I anticipated. Um, apparel is about a quarter of our sales. Um, it'll be over half uh, as we scale the business. It's a, If you go into a Goodwill store, anybody who knows thrifting at Goodwill knows that a large majority of the donations for sale is clothing and other apparel. So part of our strategy is to mimic that shopping experience within the marketplace as it is in the store. But we've seen such a strong demand initially for non-clothing. So um, like 
cool Air Jordans that you could get on StockX or a Prada hand or Gucci handbag that you might get at a, at a real real or, you know, brands uh, like outerwear brands um, like uh, Nike or Columbia or some Ralph Lauren outerwear that you might get at a at a Poshmark or a ThreadUp. So um, it's been much broader categorically. There's also kind of um, jewelry, collectibles, books and media. There's certain categories of secondhand that do well online, I think, that we're also, of course, seeing. But the, the, the broad response from a merchandising perspective has been a nice positive surprise. So we're working with our sellers to pull out the donations that fit those categories that sell better online. The other thing that we're seeing is we initially launched with the thesis that we wanted to serve our Goodwill store customer base, you know, that primarily is seeking value. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a response from a more affluent customer. Interesting. And so that's been kind of, a, a again, a nice surprise where if you think about who shops thrift, who shops secondhand, I, my view of it is there's three segments. The first segment is the value shopper that's looking for a deal. And so, uh, you know, those are um, households that, that need to shop secondhand uh, because of price. It's also the consumer that just loves looking for deals and is willing to invest the time and energy to, to shop at multiple locations to find one item. Um, and so, uh, and, and that mimics kind of who shops within Goodwill stores. Then there's kind of more trend-driven folks that like uh, vintage, that that like thrifting, that like to put together unique outfits. Because if you buy something thrift, by definition, nobody else can be wearing it. Or there's kind of unique throwback items like collectibles, Star Wars memorabilia, um, you know, things like that that, you know, are hard to find that collectors uh, typically shop online. We're seeing that customer show up at Goodwill Finds, uh, which has been great for us. And then I'd say there's this kind of more aspirational customer segment, the conscious consumer, the one who who really thinks about where they're shopping. They want to be purpose-driven. They want to align with the values and mission of the brands and the stores that they shop at, that care about sustainability, that care about circularity. And so we're seeing... You know, at least from an engagement perspective, we're seeing a huge response from that part of the market, uh, but we're still kind of learning what that customer wants to buy. So at scale, we'll want to serve all three. Um, we initially started with the first. We're finding that the second has shown up out of the gate, and now you know we'll continue to grow the business, to you know, and scale the business over time to serve all three. Got it. I wanted to get into something you you mentioned uh, just in this last answer, which, you know, you, you mentioned how Goodwill has historically been a place where, you know, value, value-based shoppers would go and look through things. I think that Goodwill is sort of the original treasure hunt, you know, where we talk about, you know, TJX and all them. Goodwill is a very specific experience that I in college did where you would just see a rack of clothes and go through them and hopefully find something that, you know, is a diamond in the rough. That is an e-com problem that many retailers have yet to solve in terms of if you talk with like off-price retailers like TJ Maxx, uh, Ross, et cetera. And a lot of them just forego it. They say, I'm not I'm not going to be online because we have such a good in-store experience. How are you approaching the user experience with Goodwill Finds to mimic that treasure hunt? Or are you not? Is it just going to be something different than what people think of as the store? 
Well, one of the reasons why they selected Salesforce as the technology partner was that we're deploying AI as part of the the product suite that Salesforce provides us in the platform so that we can learn behaviors and personalize the experience so that over time, as we get to know shoppers, we'll be personalizing their listing and they'll be able to be able to discover what are the various um, brands or attributes or um, categories, classifications, seasonality that they're wanting, but with all the convenience that e-commerce provides, right? So like being able to pre-sort by size, being able to look specifically for certain types of brands, being able to shop, and this is probably the most important thing, shop across all these member store locations without having to drive to each of those locations. So there's a little bit of a trade-off between maybe that kind of a thrill of the hunt with convenience. I think in total, the convenience that this provides greatly outweighs. But over time, we're going to want to provide customers of goodwill a multi-channel shopping experience so they can do both. So we're certainly not supplanting shopping in a local Goodwill. What we're trying to do is augment and expand and enhance the experience. Because as we all know, who've been in retail for a while, a multi-channel shopper is worth a lot more. Mm -hmm. So we're taking that approach that as we scale, we'll integrate much more of the personalization, the the, the um, retention marketing, the um how we communicate and provide incremental value to consumers locally in a multi-channel way. So here's a, for instance, on our roadmap is to eventually provide digital receipts on our roadmap is to be able to reward our best donors with values to go shop on our roadmap is to be able to capture information about households and individuals within our house file and make them aware of services that are available to them or their neighbors at their local goodwill. So we're not creating community, we're activating community. And when I think about all the brands that I've worked at, Burton Snowboards, Urban Outfitters with the Anthropology Free People as their other major brands, Mod Cloth, for sure Walmart, um, they had communities around those brands that they were able to understand what those consumers wanted. They were able to engage their communities in a way that they could understand uh, how they should adjust their product service offering. Unlike other startups in our space that are kind of a decade ago didn't exist and they're having to acquire customers expensively in certain cases, we already have millions of customers that shop Goodwill across the country. We have millions of consumers that already know the value proposition of Goodwill. So for us, we're just trying to activate that community around the 3,500 plus stores around the country. And to say, hey, you now have this other option where you can shop in your store and around your local donation center, but now you can shop this massive catalog 
of items from Goodwills across the country. Uh, here's an anecdote for you. So I'm a, I'm a Philadelphia native. I'm a Philly guy. So I'm looking, I'm shopping our own site looking for Philly sports memorabilia. And then boom, it hits me. Wait a minute. We don't have the local Philadelphia member online yet. <laughs> so in that category, you know, it's items from LA and Seattle and Denver and Chicago, which are the four member um, major markets that are on the site today. Um, but over time, as we add more, you're going to be able to do vintage and thrifting in the convenience of your own home or on your phone and looking at items that get donated across the country, which is which is a really cool feature of what we're doing. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, we're almost coming out of time, but I have a couple of more questions I wanted to ask you. And one is just, you know, you mentioned a few stats, but if you can share just how the last six weeks have been, you said that you're now up to 200,000 from 100,000 items on the catalog. What else are you seeing in terms of velocity of demand? Yeah, so, so we are like 4X month over month from month two to month one from a, a demand perspective. So we are we are um, scaling nicely. Um, we uh, have plans to get to a million unique items on the platform by holiday next year. Uh, we have a really ambitious roadmap for adding new features to the site. And we, we're in conversations with a lot of brands as well who want to leverage our platform to be kind of the objective third-party arbiter of um, authentication. Or Wait, so you're going to have you're going to have authentication on the website? We have authentication now. Oh really? So, wow, that's yeah. Yeah, so one of the I realize that. So one of the value adds uh, that our Goodwill members that are selling on the site um, deploy at their donation centers is that in certain categories, they have software that they're able to utilize to authenticate uh, items and then to be able to have a third party uh, certificate that we put into the um, into the box you know, with the item. Um, and so what I'm hoping for is that we become a platform for the entire ecosystem around thrift and circularity that everybody in the industry can deploy. You know, I, I think about corporates that have shareholders that are asking what their ESG strategy is, um, partnering with Goodwill to work with us on uh, reselling damaged goods or, or uh, partnering with us to enable uh, reselling and upcycling items um, as opposed to, you know, other ways to dispose of items is an enablement layer that we can provide. So we have a really big vision for what we can do here, not just for the Goodwill members, but for the industry at large. So, and so, as I said, we're activating the Goodwill community, but we also want to accelerate the circular economy across all retail. You know, I think one stat I read is that secondhand is going to be growing from 50 to 80 billion in annual revenue in the next two to three years. Um, I mean, this this is a force that like the trains out of the station and every brand, every retailer has to figure out what is their secondhand strategy, what is their circularity strategy, how they're going to participate in what's happening because the consumer has already said that this is, this is a thing. Um, so we want to be not just competing in the market for dollars and supporting our goodwill members so that they can accelerate their missions locally but we want to enable the entire industry to be able to scale secondhand in a way that that works for everybody. 
Got it. And last last question. You mentioned how Goodwill has such a robust community. It's, you know, people on TikTok talk constantly talk about thrifting finds they have. Are you investing a lot in marketing on this side or is most of it just organic where people know Goodwill, they find that there's now a new e-com portal and that's giving you a lot of organic demand? What are you what are you seeing on the acquisition and marketing side of things? Yeah, we are we are absolutely leveraging our um, platform on behalf of all the Goodwills to get the brand purpose, mission, values out in the market. We want to be the place that amplifies and gets the word out about what Goodwill does in the country. As a startup, we haven't had to advertise yet because mm, the, that's the, great. the PR response has been so strong because the local response working with our sellers who are marketing and advertising our new site to their store customers has been strong. Uh, so we haven't had to spend into that yet, but we have big plans next year to accelerate customer acquisition, but to do it in a way that is very brand enhancing and is helping to differentiate the Goodwill brand in the market, not just on our behalf to to grow our our revenue base and our customer base, but so that all Goodwills are able to point to our marketing, our advertising, our messaging, and drive engagement within their local communities across, you know, all their, their various touch points. So it's, uh, we're really proud to be leading that effort across the country for the network. Uh, and, and it's such an easy story to tell. It, it reminds me, I'll just share this quickly. When I got to Walmart after we sold ModCloth uh, to, to Walmart, I learned so much about the culture there. I had no idea that, the positive impact that Walmart has globally with respect to uh, cold chain in our food supply in respect to uh, mandates they have on buying goods from women-led and minority-led businesses, but they didn't tell the story. And so since then, we've seen them really invest in brand marketing to tell the Walmart story as part of their uh, head-to-head with Amazon who does an exceptional job at telling the Amazon story. I feel like it's a, it, there's a, an analogy here where there's a real story to tell around the impact that Goodwill has, but it just hasn't been told. And so that's part of what we're going to be doing in the years to come is to really get the word out. All right. Well, Matt, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure, Kel. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.